Welcome to Macros Made Easy, the podcast that takes the confusion out of tracking macros. I'm your host, Emily Field, a registered dietitian that specializes in a macros approach. In each episode, I help you learn how to eat in a way that supports your health, body composition, and athletic performance goals. We'll cover the basics of macronutrients, how to track for various goals, the role of macros in your health, and how to make sustainable changes to your habits. I've helped hundreds of people experience more food freedom and flexibility while navigating their nutrition. So whether you've tried macros and it just didn't stick, or you just heard the word macros yesterday, I can't wait to help you too. Welcome to episode three of the Macros Made Easy podcast. Today, we are tackling the topic of macro tracking as a beginner. Macro tracking can be a powerful tool for achieving health and fitness goals, but it can also be daunting, especially to those who are new to the approach. So in this episode, I'll talk through some of the best ways to make tracking easier as a beginner, and I'll also share what I would have done when I was a beginner so you don't have to struggle with the same challenges that I did. So we have four main parts today. I'm going to start with chatting about visualizing your whole day and some key components to planning ahead. Then I'll move into logging as you go and identifying the macros in your meals as you go. We'll talk later about logging mixed dishes because this seems to be where people get really, really stopped up in the beginning. And then lastly, I'll share some tips and best practices for macro tracking just to round it all out. And then I will share at the last part of the episode what I wish I would have done differently when I first started tracking macros. Success with tracking macros starts with actually trusting that your macro targets are right for you. As the original macro experts, registered dietitians have years of professional experience to pull from when they provide protein, fat, and carbohydrate goals. No more second-guessing those macro numbers or being confused by online calculators. With me and my team, it's all about personalization, precision, and proven results. Here's how a custom macro calculation works. After purchasing the service, you'll fill out a detailed health assessment sharing juicy details about your personal health situation that could influence your nutritional needs. You'll have the opportunity to tell us about your health history, typical workout routine, food preferences, what's been working or not working to accomplish your goals. After submission, we will pour over what you've shared and draft your protein, fat, and carbohydrate targets, calorie goals, and bigger picture health recommendations that we think might make a difference for you. We'll also tell you exactly how we arrived at your macro targets so you understand the why behind the numbers. Then, in about 7-10 to business days, you'll get a lengthy email with all of this included that you can digest and refer to as much as you need. Look, your macro targets are supposed to be as unique as you, so why settle for an impersonal nutrition calculator? Purchase a custom macro calculation from me, Emily Field, and my dietitian team today and get personalized to you macro targets that you can trust, ones you can start seeing results with right away. Go to emilyfieldrd.com slash cmc or click the link in the show notes of this episode. All right, let's dive in. One of the biggest challenges of macro tracking is managing all of the different macro goals throughout the day. You've got all three that you're kind of looking to hit by the end of the day. That's why I recommend visualizing your whole day and planning ahead to make tracking a little bit more manageable. But this doesn't mean that you have to know exactly how the day is going to go in order for you to be successful. Meal planning and prepping, that can absolutely be helpful for this. But I need you to maintain some flexibility because we need to be able to adjust for unexpected events on the fly. When we're talking about visualizing your whole day, that simply means not visualizing just the meal in front of you. Okay, let me repeat that. 
Instead of visualizing just the meal in front of you, I want you to kind of take a global look at your whole day. Because if you don't, it's likely that you're going to play macro Tetris to hit your targets later. When we visualize the whole day, we very quickly know if we need to plan for something high calorie or high macro, like a meal eaten out. So instead, what if before you went to happy hour with your friends, for example, you made sure you had a breakfast that's high in protein, maybe a little bit lower in fat and carbs. Maybe later you made sure that lunch covered the basis with, again, more protein, maybe moderate fat and carbs so that you could spare or splurge a little bit on that happy hour app or cocktail or whatever it might be. And you know, this is different from what your experience might be up until this point, because instead of viewing the day as, quote, ruined, you struck a balance. Instead of saving up to binge with your friends, you know, you went in starving because you were trying to save calories. You went into the meal mellow and satisfied, confident that you could eat with your friends without derailing your goals. That's a difference here. And it doesn't really work if we're just looking at the meal at hand. You're always going to be surprised later at the end of the day if we're only looking at the meal in front of us. So it is really important to kind of look globally at your day of what's going on. Are you eating at home? Are you eating out? Is somebody going to be providing the meal for you? Will you have to grab something on the go? These decisions, if we look at it from a big bird's eye view, are going to serve you much better than if we just look at the meal right in front of us. So when people hear me say, visualize your whole day, sometimes they immediately go to meal planning. I have to meal plan then. The only way to be sure about this is if I plan every single one of my meals. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. You do not have to. I'm not going to deny that meal planning and prepping won't help in some way, won't help make macro tracking more manageable. I'm not talking about preparing 21 meals across seven days on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) like a bodybuilder, okay? Meal planning and prepping are great ways to stay on track with your macros. They can save you time. They can save you money in the long run. So I'm going to share with you a few tips to make that come together a little bit more effectively. The first is to set aside some time each week to plan out your meals and snacks. And this can mean just making a list of the meals you want to make, meals that you know you'll eat out, meals you could do for leftovers, something very, very simple and manageable. Second might be to aim to include some variety, some nutrient-rich foods in your meals and snacks. So you're going to look over your list of meals or maybe you're going to look at your menu for the week and see if there is variety there because that's what's going to help you meet your macro targets and ensure that you're getting all the vitamins and minerals that your body needs. You're just going to take a quick look. Does it look like I have a mix of proteins, a mix of fats, a mix of carbs across my week or across my list? Third, I'd love to see you batch cook or prep parts of meals and snacks in advance. So this could mean making a big batch of chili or soup and freezing it for later. Maybe it's prepping snacks like veggies and hummus or hard-boiled eggs for the week ahead. Personally, I love to do like shredded chicken, pork, or ground turkey, and that can take on whatever flavors I choose to cook it with throughout the week, like the spices and the sauces and whatever carbs and fats I pair with it. Fourth, invest in some high-quality storage containers that keep your prepped meals and snacks fresh. And this will make it easier to grab a healthy option when you're on the go and short on time. When it looks good, when it tastes good, it's like fresh and crisp. There's nothing better and it will definitely help you stay on track. Now, lastly, I need you to be realistic about your meal planning and your prepping. Do not try to plan out every single meal and every single snack for the week because you know you will not have time and you will not enjoy following through on that. Start with just a couple meals. I usually tell my clients two new meals Everything else is standard. Everything else is family meals you already like to have. They're already like breakfast and lunch that are in rotation right now. 
you can always gradually build up from there. But it's great to have new, you know, kind of interesting meals, some variety in your week. So start with just two new ones and do a little bit of prep ahead. A lot of times for clients, that might mean one or two bulk proteins, one bulk starch, and chopping, washing, preparing fruits and vegetables so that they're easy to use as components of the fuller meal. Okay, that's all I'm talking about here. All right, so what happens when the plan falls apart and life gets in the way? Please understand that life will happen and things don't go as planned. That's absolutely normal. This doesn't mean that you have to throw in the towel on your macro tracking goals. I'm going to share a few tips for adjusting on the fly. This should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. First is just to be flexible. If you have a sudden change in plans or you need to eat out unexpectedly, take a deep breath and remember that you can still make choices that align with your macro goals. You can choose to look at a menu ahead of time and find items that fit within your macro targets. You can make substitutions to a meal to make it work for you. You can find something to throw together in your home to make a balanced meal. And even if it doesn't hit your targets on the nose, which isn't possible anyway, we're looking for, you know, kind of that five grams up or down from those macro targets by the end of the day. Even if it doesn't get you there, there's absolutely something that you can form in the shape of a balanced meal that will meet your needs nutritionally. I will say if you are very serious about your goals and you want to get there in the most efficient way possible, then planning is going to have to be a part of your week. But I still don't mean planning every single meal and snack and not letting anything deviate from the plan. It's just not possible. You can have a contingency plan. So that's my second tip. Plan ahead as much as possible, but have a contingency plan. If your day takes an unexpected turn, you can probably still have healthy snacks on hand. You can still have food in your fridge, your pantry, your freezer that you can throw together in a bind and make a well-rounded you know, meal that meets your targets. You know, in general, you try to have an idea of what you'll be eating throughout the day, even if that means just sitting down and pre-logging skeletons of your meals for the day, not all the details. That can be super helpful for this process. Third tip I will share is to not stress so much about the small deviations. If you end up going over your macros for one meal or snack, please do not beat yourself up for it. You probably know which foods are in line with your goals and which are not. So you can make healthy choices without tracking every single thing. That knowledge didn't go away when you started tracking macros. So if you know you're going to go over, you know you're going to be short, you're not going to hit your targets for that day, please do not sweat it. Please eat if something's not going according to plan and it all kind of fell apart. Don't skip the meal. Make a nutritious, well-rounded meal that has some protein, some fat, and some carb. It's made with mostly whole real food and then move on. All right, last tip I'm going to share here about being flexible when things don't go as planned is that you can build in some flexibility to your macro goals, especially if unexpected events or changes to your schedule are happening on a regular occurrence. So that might mean that you just give yourself a range of macros to hit each day, or maybe you're more flexible with your tracking on certain days of the week. Maybe you just choose to track one macro. The important thing to remember here is that macro tracking is a tool and you hold the power because you hold the tool. And that might mean that you use this tool in its full capacity or you just use parts of the tool or you use the tool sometimes. Okay, so we just reviewed that one of the biggest challenges to macro tracking is managing all three macros and trying to hit those targets by the end of the day. 
So visualizing your whole day and kind of planning around what you have going on in the day does make tracking more manageable. Sometimes that means that meal planning and prepping will become a helpful practice for you, especially if you want to be extremely successful at hitting your targets most of the time. But as important as meal planning and prepping might be, it's almost equally as important to be flexible and adjust for unexpected events. If you've ever wondered how many calories and macros it takes to reach your health, body composition, and athletic performance goals, you're probably going to want to download my DIY macros guide. Not only will we walk you through setting your protein, fat, and carbohydrate gram targets, but they will feel easy to hit because it's completely personalized. You'll answer nuanced questions about the type of activity that you do, your food preferences, the type of job that you have, and more. In addition to your personalized macro prescription, you'll learn how to set your calories in a deficit if you want to, and how much of that deficit you should be in. You'll learn things to consider when setting your carbohydrate and fat targets. So again, they feel easy to hit and natural. You'll get a list of protein, fat, and carbohydrate-rich foods along with a portion size guide to help you eyeball what certain macro amounts look like. You'll also receive an easy-to-understand rundown on metabolism, what it means, why you should care, how your macro targets relate to your metabolism, and some tips to improve it. We'll lastly throw in two sample meal plans so you can see how those macros look in a daily menu. To download the free guide, go to my website at emilyfieldrd.com slash macros guide. All right, let's move into logging as you go and identifying the macros in your meals as you go. Remember, these are my top tips for beginners. I think one of the biggest things that a beginner could do wrong or might make them stumble or be more challenged with hitting their targets is if they are not logging as they go. Okay. Logging as you go is going to ensure much more accuracy in macro tracking than if you were to log at the end of the day or worse, maybe the end of two or three days, end of the week. You will never remember what you ate and definitely not remember the portion size that you ate it in if you're doing it after the fact. It also means that you can't make adjustments on the fly because you haven't figured out how the day is going to shake out. So if you're logging at the end of the day, you have no room to make adjustments in your later meals if you do need to catch up on something or if you do need to balance things out in a different way. Now, I know that this can feel really tedious in the beginning, But after a week, you're going to start noticing how much you can copy, paste, or move around from meal to meal. For example, dinner one night becomes lunch the next day. Breakfast foods, they look pretty similar to you from day to day. You can use these copy and paste features, check boxes, moving things around. You can use those features of your app to your advantage and make this process go faster. Now, the other piece of this, like I mentioned before, is that when you are logging in the moment, you can start paying attention to the macro breakdown of your meals and you can get a very quick idea if you're going to stay on track for the whole day or if you do need to make some adjustments later on in your later meals. I want to reiterate this, that your job, especially in the beginning, should be to be paying attention to the macro breakdown of your meals. So this is your learning phase. You're learning that your breakfast is a little light and that you might need to pay more attention moving forward. You're learning that your favorite go-to protein bar is pretty high in fat and you're not sure you want to spend your macros there. Maybe you're learning that peanut butter isn't high in protein 
it's not as high in protein as you thought. And so it's not contributing the macros that you thought it might. So looking back over your meals, especially like when done in the moment, to understand where your macros are coming from, that is a super helpful practice. These are meals you already like to eat, so it's important that you clock how they serve you or don't serve you so you can start making some changes. Through this, like I said, you might start to realize that you're eating foods that aren't quite serving you. And I'll say for me, it was almond butter. The day that I realized that slathering on the natural like Trader Joe's almond butter to my breakfast each morning, to my rice cakes, to my toast, like whatever I chose to put it on, that was really making it tough for me to have balanced and well-rounded meals by the end of the day because I didn't have many fat macros to work with after that breakfast meal. So it's not that the almond butter was wrong. It's that I just decided that it wasn't serving me in the way that I wanted. I can choose to get my fat from other things. I can choose to have filling, more satiating meals later because I have more fat macro to work with. And while it really doesn't matter if my goal is to maintain my weight or if I just want to be well-fueled for my exercise or if I'm really working on trying to have a more flexible eating pattern, that added almond butter and making that sacrifice for that almond butter does start to matter if my goals are fat loss and weight loss, for example. Those fat macros and calories might put me over where I need to be, and it's just not worth it to me to spare the almond butter (laughs) in the beginning of the day in order to have to cut back in the later part of the day. I hope that what you're seeing here is that I would hate for you to be logging blindly without paying attention. That doesn't make you a better macro tracker, doesn't help you hit your macro targets easier and better. I want you to become a more informed eater. And the only way that happens is if you log as you go, you look back over your meals, you assess how you're doing, not if you log at the very end of the day and just throw your hands in the air and say, well, I'll try again tomorrow. You have the opportunity to make different choices right in that moment, make slight adjustments right in the middle of your day so that you can get closer to your targets on a more regular basis. All right. So the third thing I want to chat about is logging mixed dishes and the best way to go about that. This oftentimes stops new trackers or beginners to macro tracking because they feel like it can be too complicated or that they have to be married to their food scale, which is absolutely not true. Tracking mixed dishes can be a challenge because it's difficult to accurately estimate the macros of each ingredient in that dish. When you cook a meal that includes multiple ingredients, for example, like stir fry or casserole, it can be challenging to determine how much of each ingredient is in a single serving. And this is especially true when you're eating out at restaurants or when you have foods that are not prepackaged. Maybe somebody prepared something for you. Now, to accurately track macros in mixed dishes, I recommend logging each item separately. And this usually just means eyeballing or measuring out each ingredient and tracking it individually. And yes, this can be time consuming. If you have the means, I recommend that you do do it for bigger mixed dishes that you prepare at home. So you are in the comfort of your own home. You are making something in bulk. You are going to use your food scale and you're going to log each ingredient and log that in your diary under recipes. But in a restaurant, you can absolutely eyeball ingredients and you can do the best you can to estimate what you see in front of you. Your estimations, though, though, will always be better than finding a generic entry in a database. So beginner trackers I oftentimes see will use a generic entry in the database. I like to use the example of Caesar salad or fajitas with taco meat or something like that. 
That Caesar salad varies by 300 calories to 1,000 calories to 1,500 calories, depending on which entry you're picking. The better choice would be to look at what's in front of you and dissect that meal item by item, logging each ingredient item by item the best that you can, estimating the best that you can on that portion size. And even if you're not familiar with what that food portion might be and the equivalent of using your hands or your fingers, you probably have a point of reference with measuring spoons and cups. So you can totally estimate when you're not in control of your food. Just think about what that portion of food might look like in comparison to tablespoons, teaspoons, measuring cups, things like that. In a bind, lean on this and estimate what's in front of you using these types of measurements. The last thing I'll share is that many restaurants list nutrition information online and you can use this to track macros without a food scale. And even if the restaurant that you're eating at doesn't have nutrition information online, it's quite possible that another chain restaurant does and you can log something close to hold space for the calories and macros that you're consuming. Remember, there are always inherent flaws to a macros approach and estimating food portions is one of them, but that doesn't mean that you can't see incredible progress with your health, your body composition, your athletic performance goals by simply tracking loosely. So I'm going to round out this point by saying it's always best to log mixed dishes item by item for most accurate tracking. And if you get stopped up by that because you don't have a food scale at hand, please don't. There are many ways to estimate what you're eating in front of you. And that could be with your hands and your fingers as a point of reference. Maybe it's tablespoons and measuring cups as a point of reference. And when you're really in a bind, it could be using standardized nutrition information from menus, from chain restaurants and places like that to hold space and put something in your diary that is very similar to what you're currently eating. All right, now we're going to move into some tips and best practices for tracking macros Specifically for beginners, I feel like there are four things that really get them stopped up and prevent them from being successful or doing tracking for any length of time that leads to results. And the first is treating macro tracking like a diet and not a learning experience or a skill that you're building. If this is a new concept to you, I would highly recommend that you go listen to episode one where we really break this down. Macro tracking isn't a diet. It is a budgeting system that you can use for whatever you want. And when you enter into it thinking that it is just another diet, that can be really problematic because you are only thinking about doing this for a finite period of time. You know that diets don't feel good. You have all the proof in the world that diets don't work or else you wouldn't be here. So that mindset is you're moving into macro tracking with that same mindset and that can really prevent you from being successful or having grace when you're learning a brand new skill. The second thing is that you might not track when you don't know the exact nutrition information. This is a challenging point for new clients or new macro trackers because they think they have to be perfect and that it won't work if they aren't perfect. So remember that some of the beauty in macro tracking is it's imperfection because you're learning as you go. And even if you don't have the exact nutrition information in front of you, we talked about several examples in an earlier section about mixed dishes and restaurant meals and food that's prepared by other people. There are plenty of times where you're not going to have the nutrition information in front of you, but you can certainly track something. You can certainly clock how it feels for you. You can look and see what that nutrition information looks like in your diary. That's all stuff. That's all learning opportunity for you. 
So don't fall into that trap of not tracking when you don't know the exact nutrition information, you don't have the barcode, something like that. The third thing I'll mention is not paying attention to the PFC breakdown of your foods and just blindly tracking. And this is one of my tips in a later part that we'll talk about what I wish I would have done differently when I started tracking macros is, you know, I really went in blind. I tracked whatever I was eating, which was good. I put something down, but I wasn't paying attention to the protein, fat, and carbohydrate of that meal, which made me pretty unsuccessful with hitting my targets with any regularity by the end of the day. So what I want you to do, and this was like in an earlier segment, we talked about this, but please pay attention to how those meals are breaking down into P, F, and C, because this will help you make small changes to help you stay on track for the whole day. You'll never be so far behind or so far ahead on a certain macro, because if you're paying attention to that P, F, and C balance, you can make minor tweaks to your current meal or future meals of the day. The last thing that new trackers do is they might not pay attention to what the portion looks like on their plate after they measure it. So they're using their food scale or they're getting in a groove. You know, macro tracking is starting to feel a little bit easier, but they're not paying attention to what that portion looks like on their plate so that when they don't have a food tracker in front of them, they don't have their phone with them, their app with them, they don't know how to eat. So you've essentially created a new problem that didn't exist before. The point of macro tracking is really to help you recalibrate your understanding of how much food is appropriate for you for certain goals. And if you never start paying attention to what that portion size looks like on your plate after you measure it, you're not really going to be that good at estimating when you don't want to track later. So my goal is not for you to be married to your food tracker for the rest of your life. I want you to truly understand what that portion size looks like on your plate or in your bowl or how you serve yourself. That is something that can serve you far into the future, but only if you start paying attention to what it looks like on your plate. I think what these tips really boil down to is understanding that macro tracking is a skill that you're developing. You're not good at it yet. And so it's important for you to pay attention to each step of the process while you're doing it. The process is much more important than the outcome that you're seeking. All right. So we're at the last part of the podcast where I'm going to share a few things that I wish I had done differently when I first started. I will say that it kind of came down to three big things that almost made me quit. And I did. I quit several times when I first started tracking macros. I started and stopped a lot until I started to manage these things. The first is that I wish I would have cooked with more individual ingredients and fewer mixed dishes. And this is reminiscent of my lifestyle at the time, but it was easier for me to get frozen meals or takeout or share meals with my roommate or things like that. And if I had made meals with more individual ingredients, things would have gone a lot better. I would have had the power, as we were talking earlier, you know, I would have had the power to manipulate some parts of the meals in the moment and not be kind of screwed by the end of the day. I don't have anything on hand that's going to meet these random macros that I have left for the end of the day. So I would have probably bought more individual ingredients. I eventually got better at this. I eventually started to have some protein, fat, and carbohydrate choices that were appropriate for my fridge, my freezer, and my pantry. So I could make a meal in a fly with whatever I had on hand, and it wasn't the end of the world. I could dial up and down the protein, the fat, and the carb to fit what I wanted to eat and what could help me meet my needs by the end of the day. So less mixed dishes, more individual ingredients. 
The second thing I wish I had done differently when I first started is to not overhaul my diet. I would have just kept eating similarly to how I was already eating, but then just made some tweaks to it. And this is what I teach now because I know what people need. And when people try to overhaul their diet, they get overwhelmed and they quit very easily. So a lot of times people start macro tracking and they will go overboard on the new recipes and new foods and things will inevitably rot in your fridge and you won't use them and it's just too much work. So instead of overhauling my diet, I would just probably keep the well-rounded, the balanced meals that I was already eating. But if I had been tracking it as is, I would have found out very quickly where the holes were and where I needed to add P, F, and C as it pertained to that meal, like I teach now. But in the beginning, when you're given this radical permission to eat whatever you want, as long as it adds up to these macro targets by the end of the day, that can make a kid go crazy. And that's exactly what happened. I was having like cake for breakfast and I was like trying to fit in cookies and candy and alcohol. And I truly had this mentality of if it fits and I was treating it how I had seen it online, portrayed online. And unfortunately, that did not work out very well for me. Not only was it tough to hit my macro targets by the end of the day, because anyone who says they can eat pizza and ice cream and chips and cookies and alcohol on the same day is lying. You cannot hit your macro targets and also eat all of those foods. You can have maybe one or two of them. You can watch the portion sizes of all those foods, certainly, but you cannot have all of them all on the same day and expect to meet your needs by the end. But Anyways, I overhauled my diet in a inappropriate way and I was not successful. And I think it was good for me to go through that. I think it was a really good learning experience. And I think it taught me a little bit more about the relationship that I had with food that I didn't realize I needed to learn. Yeah, I would just eat what I normally ate and just tweak the macros in those meals. So the third thing I wish I would have done differently when I first started tracking macros is look at menus before I went out to eat. And I know this sounds really simple and it's definitely not unique to macro tracking, but I think I had the mentality that I could just, I could do it. I could wing it. It would be fine. I could make it work. And it almost always backfired on me. And that's because when you're in an environment of eating with your friends or in a chaotic environment of a restaurant, your decisions will be influenced by that environment. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you're trying to chase a goal pretty hard and you care about some aspect of your health or your body composition, your athletic performance, you are putting your best foot forward with macro tracking. It's really important that you plan ahead and look at that menu ahead of time and identify in a calm and like regulated space what you want to have before you go. I can't tell you how many times I woke up after a night where I had eaten out and just feel down about myself because I had the opportunity to hit my targets and stay within my goal ranges, and I just didn't. I was influenced by the people around me or the triggers that are at hand, the bread basket, the appetizers, the desserts, the alcohol, whatever it may be, and everything that I had thought I could do just went out the window. So again, important lesson probably for me in my relationship with food and how I might have been putting certain foods on a pedestal at that time. And it may have taken just a few weeks or months for me to really get to the root of that and for that to go away. It's not something I struggle with anymore. But in the beginning, I really wish I took the time to check out menus ahead of time, identify an option that fit well for me, made me feel great, 
and then just stuck to my guns when I got to the restaurant, just stuck to the plan that I set out for myself. Because ultimately, and this is what I teach my clients, ultimately, this is keeping a promise to the most important person in your life, which is you. You can't fail the plan if you're the one that makes the plan. I kind of feel that way. So if I had a just made the plan, committed to the plan and executed the plan as I had envisioned it, things would have gone a lot smoother. And they eventually did once I got that down. All right. So this episode was really meant for those newbie macro trackers. We had all the tips for the beginners. We started off with talking about visualizing your whole day and embracing a little bit of planning and prepping, but not being so rigid with that planning that you lose flexibility or you know, the idea that things are going to go unplanned and unexpected. We talked next about logging as you go as being a better practice than logging at the end of the day or worse, end of the week. There's no way that you'll be able to remember how much you ate or what you ate during the day. Best practice is to log as you go. Next, we talked about logging mixed dishes item by item for most accurate tracking because I see a lot of beginners use generic entries and mixed dish entries when they go to log something in their food diary. Best thing you can do is to log what you see in front of you if you're not going to be the one that actually makes that dish and logs each ingredient as you're making it. Talked a little bit about tips for doing that to make it a little bit more easy. Then I just shared my tips and best practices for tracking macros in general. I see a lot of people treat macro tracking like diet and not a learning experience or a skill they can learn. I see people not tracking when they don't know the exact nutrition information of the food. A lot of people not paying attention to the PFC of their foods or their meals. And so they blindly track without actually observing anything about their foods or their meals. And lastly, I do see a lot of people not paying attention to what that portion looks like on their plate after they measure it. And if you can avoid these common mistakes that beginners can sometimes fall prey to, you're going to be a lot better off and a lot more successful faster as a result. Lastly, I chatted a little bit about what I would have done differently when I first started tracking macros. So I hope you got something from those three tips and you don't find yourself in the same position. You can absolutely speed up the learning curve by skipping right on over that. So again, I encourage you to continue to treat this like a learning experience. You are not going to be perfect right out the gate hitting your macros every single day. That doesn't mean that you can't learn something about yourself, you can't get better over time, and that you can't see results even by being imperfect because you absolutely can. I lastly want to remind you that macro tracking is a tool and you as the wielder of that tool, the user of that tool holds all the power. You can choose to use this tool in its full capacity or just bits and pieces as you see fit. Thank you so much for your time and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Macros Made Easy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot of the one you're listening to right now to share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at emilyfieldrd so that more people can find this podcast and learn how to use a macros approach in a stress-free way. If you love the podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. Remember, you can always find more free health and nutrition content on Instagram and on my website at emilyfieldrd.com. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.